Welcome to the September 14th episode of the Enjoying the Bible podcast. I'm Matt Ellis, and I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. Today's reading is Proverbs 19 through 21 and 2 Corinthians chapter 7, but we'll only focus on the New Testament in this podcast. Hopefully you're ready. Let's get started. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 7, there are 16 verses in this chapter, so let's just go through verse by verse. Verse number 1, so then, dear friends, since we have these promises, so what promises is he talking about? Well, remember that whenever we have a chapter break in our translations, those chapters and even the verses were not a part of the original writing. And so when he refers to promises, we're thinking, wait a second, he's starting a whole new chapter and he's talking about promises. Well, as he was writing this, he was not starting a whole new chapter. The the verses right before, the, the selection that he wrote right before, he said, since we have these promises, he was referring back to what is our uh, last few verses of chapter 6, uh, where it says... Um, You know, I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And so the promises are God's presence and a relationship. You know, he said, I will be a father to you. And so he said, since we have these promises, you know, that God is is with us, and God is overseeing us, and God has entered into relationship as a father as he saved us, Since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Okay, there's a lot of fancy language there, but just simplistically stated, Paul said that since God is with us and since he's entered into relationship with us, let's pursue purity. Let's pursue holiness. In fact, that was a part of what he said at the end of our chapter 6. Right before, he said, I will be a father to you. Right before that, the verse right before, he said, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And so what Paul saw is that as we enter into a relationship with the Father, we should see ourselves as separated unto him. We don't belong to anybody else, not even ourselves anymore. Therefore, because we have these promises, chase after holiness, chase after the Lord. Verses two through four says this, make room for us in your hearts. And, and you know, as I read this, hear the apostle Paul saying, hey, we care for you, church of Corinth. Open your heart up and care for us. You know, reciprocate. Listen to verses two through four. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one, corrupted no one, taken advantage of no one. I don't say this to condemn you, since I've already said that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I'm very frank with you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with encouragement. I'm overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. And so what Paul is saying is that he had done nothing wrong to the Corinthians, therefore, He was calling them to renew their love for him. He said, guys, come back. And once again, this is not the Apostle Paul 
saying, oh, I need to be loved by you. It's a personal need. I need to be loved by you. No, that's not what he's doing. Paul is recognizing that if they don't love him, if they don't respect him, if they don't respect his ministry, then they're not going to listen to the gospel. Again, Paul is playing tug-of-war with the, the current leaders at the church in Corinth. And the current leaders appear to be in it for themselves. They tend to be, they appear to be in it for the money. Uh, and what they are doing is the leaders seem to be trying to discredit the Apostle Paul, trying to vie for the hearts of the church at Corinth, of the members of the church at Corinth, to get them to not follow after Paul. But the only thing is is that these leaders are taking the Corinthian church down the wrong path. Well, Paul will have none of that. He's all about getting people ready for heaven, getting people ready for the judgment. And so this whole desire that he has to, he's fighting for their affections, it's not because he craves to be loved and he needs their love. No, I mean, we do have that desire to be loved, but that's not what the Apostle Paul's doing here. The Apostle Paul knows that if they don't love him, then they will not listen to him. He will lose his influence, and they will continue down a very bad path, morally and theologically. And so Paul is vying for, working for their heart, desiring for their love for him to grow so that they will listen to him, so that as he speaks truth to them, they will listen and comply. That's what it's about. In verse 5, he said, in fact, we came to Macedonia, okay? So he had the Macedonia call uh, in the vision that he had of, of a man saying, come over into Macedonia. Some of the cities in Macedonia are Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. And so these were the cities in that region. He said, in fact, when we came into Macedonia, so in one of those cities or maybe, you know, one of the others, he said, we had no rest, we had no rest. Instead, we were troubled in every way, conflicts on the outside, fears within. So I don't know that we necessarily know what he's referring to. All we know from verse 5 is that as they were making their way to Corinth on a previous missionary trip, um, they had experienced a lot of conflict and difficulty as they made their way over into Macedonia. Verse 6, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the arrival of Titus. And so he said, you know, God saw the trouble that we were in. He saw that not only did we have conflict outside, but we also had fear inside. It was just a really bad emotional place to be in and a probably a dangerous place to be in. But he said, you know, God being who God is, God's kind and loving and gracious, and when he sees one of his children going through times like that, oftentimes he steps in with an act of grace to give comfort, to give peace, to give perspective, not necessarily to take the problem away, but to give the ability to deal with the problem. And so what was the source of comfort? What did the Lord provide to the Apostle Paul to give him comfort? It was Titus. Verse 6 again, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the arrival of Titus. Now, one of the things that uh, we realize is that God made us all for relationships, and so we can get lonely at times, 
And even Adam in the Garden of Eden had God all to himself, even before sin. But yet God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And so we realize in that, that we don't just need a relationship with the Lord. We need a relationship with other people. God made us to to thrive when we have both. That's why Jesus gave us not just one great commandment, but two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with everything you've got. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so part of the comfort that Paul had was a dear friend, a a young protege, someone he was training, Titus, came and came to to be with them. And apparently, you know, Paul's just really got a kinship with the men that he's traveling with, with Luke and Timothy and Titus and some of the others. And so it was such a comfort when Titus showed up, but it wasn't just Titus's presence. Listen to verse 7. And not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. So he's talking about the church at Corinth. He told us about your deep longing, your sorrow, and your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. And so this is part of, this is yet more of a reason why the Apostle Paul was was comforted when Titus showed up. He said when Titus showed up, he told us of how y'all had cared for him when he was there with you. He told me of how y'all had taken care of him and how y'all had expressed your love for me and your care for me and your zeal for me. He said, boy, that made me happy to hear from Titus that uh, that there are many of y'all in the church of Corinth that, that love me and are, that care about me. Once again, the Apostle Paul's primary reason for desiring the affection of the church at Corinth because he knew that if they didn't love him, he would lose his influence with them. He wouldn't be able to teach them the right way theologically and morally or ethically. And so he's vying for their heart. He's trying to pull them in. And so he was so comforted when Titus showed up and said, yeah, the church at Corinth, many of those people really care about you, Paul. And that just gave him so much comfort. Verse 8, for even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it since I saw that the letter grieved you, Yet only for a while, verse 9, I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance, for you were grieved as God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. So what's he talking about? Well, in verse 8, he is referring to his harsh letter. Uh, this is not. This does not appear to be 1 Corinthians, what we call 1 Corinthians. It appears to be a letter after 1 Corinthians uh, that we don't have. And it was a letter that he wrote to them about. And, uh, you know, he even showed up uh, to visit them on a harsh visit. But, uh, but this, there was a letter that he wrote that we just don't have. Um, that he just raked him over the coals and he took him to the woodshed in a letter. And he said, you know what? I know it grieved you. Even if I grieved you with my letter, he said, I know it grieved you. He says this, I don't regret it. Why? Because Paul is mean. He, he, he was harsh with them and it made them weep and made it broke them. It hurt them. And he doesn't regret it? Is it because Paul's mean? No. It's because sometimes in order to help someone that we love, we have to do something 
that is painful in the moment, but yet that painful thing is intentional and it produces something good as a result. This is why we punish our children. You know, it's never pleasant. It shouldn't be pleasant to the parents to punish their children. But if if a child is playing in the road and the parent says, get out of the road, you could hurt yourself, and the child insists on playing in the road, then the parent, because they love their child and because they realize that if that child continues to do that, that they could get themselves seriously maimed or even killed, then that parent will do in the moment what is very unpleasant, but what is much less harsh than what they would experience if they continued playing in the road, right? A spanking, a nose in the corner, riding lines, whatever that punishment is, as harsh as it may be, it's a lot better than getting run over. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is doing, saying, you know what, I, I know it made you grieve. I'm, you know, I, I know that as I wrote that harsh letter to you, you wept, but I don't regret, regret it. You know, he's not saying that he loved hurting them. He loves, though, what it produced. And in fact, listen to verse 10. Verse 10 is very, very good. I've got this underlined in my Bible, verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. Okay, so the Apostle Paul here, led by the Holy Spirit, tells us that there are two types of grief. If, if they just categorize them into two very general categories, there's godly grief and there's worldly grief. Now, both of them, people are bothered, people maybe are weeping, people are broken, people are hurt, there's grieving. But one is godly grief. One is worldly grief. What's godly grief do? Well, godly grief is weeping, and as a result of this, we're broken over our sin, and we repent, and, and we confess it to the Lord and make it right and, and vow in the power of the Holy Spirit not to do it again. That's what repentance is. It's not just confessing it, saying, I will turn from this. I will not do this again. And so godly grief produces repentance, which leads to salvation. I don't know that this is necessarily talking about someone being saved, as in spiritually saved, born again. Salvation, I think, in this context can simply mean saved from the consequences of the, the, the sinful behaviors you know, that they repented of that they're saved from the consequences of those bad behaviors because they, they experienced discipline, they were broken over that, they grieved, they repented, so now they don't have to experience the consequences of those bad, sinful choices. That's godly grief. Worldly grief, it says, produces death. Worldly grief is where someone is grieving, someone is broken, but they don't repent, you know, they, they don't make things right with the Lord. They don't make things right with other people. They're just grieving and broken over it, but they just keep doing it. And it just leads to death. It leads, and what is death? It's separation. It's separation from God. Uh, it's, it, it's just uh, something that is thoroughly unpleasing, and it's, an, and it's a not a good desire. It's, once again, it's like someone who gets caught 
they, they've done something, they got caught, uh, maybe they shed some tears, but uh, you know, later on you realize that they went right back to what they were doing, right back to what they were doing. That's not godly grief, that's worldly grief. And so there are two different kinds. Paul designates them in verse 10. Verse 11, for consider how much diligence this, uh, this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. You know, he said, consider what this godly grief that God has, has done in you, consider what it's done. What a desire to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way, you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. And so, I mean, he, he talked about different things, a desire to clear yourself, you know, desire to make things right, what indignation, uh, so that's anger. So maybe he's talking about, you know, you're angry at the sin that you were a part of or that you were tolerating, uh, what fear, maybe he's talking about the fear of the Lord that led them to make the right decision. What a deep longing. I mean, you know, it's just speculation, but he's just talking about things that he has heard about them and said that, uh, you know, you're grieving over um, what, I, what I had to deal with. Um, you repented. You got things right. And at the end of verse 11, in every way you showed yourself to be pure in this matter. You repented. You got cleaned up in God's sight. And you're pure now. You're clean. And that's the desire. That's the desire. And so the Apostle Paul dealt harshly with them, but it was a godly grief that they had. They repented. They made things right. And now they're, they're clean. And Titus has come back to tell Paul about it. Verse 12. So even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong or because of the one who was wronged, but in order that your devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. Okay, so this verse may give us a clue, kind of, sort of, at least as to what the Apostle Paul was, deal was not dealing with in the harsh letter. Some have speculated, and I've speculated before, that maybe this harsh letter, maybe the sin they were dealing with, maybe the one that they needed to restore, we read that in a couple of chapters ago, uh, was this one who was mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 who was having relations with, sexual relations with his father's wife. And some have thought, that's this guy, that's the guy that they were t continuing to tolerate. And... Uh, I don't think so. I think this is a different situation. And the reason why is when we look at verse 12, it says, So even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong or because of the one who was wronged. Um, who, who did wrong? If, if that's 1 Corinthians 5, that would be the guy, obviously, that's having relations with his father's wife. And since Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 was only dealing with the guy and not the father's wife, the stepmom, it's assumed that maybe she was an unbeliever. And so Paul was just dealing with the guy who was having sexual relations with his stepmom. But um, So he would be the one doing wrong, but the one who was wronged? Well, that doesn't sound like the stepmom, 
You know, she said, I mean, we're led to believe, I mean, we've got no reason not to believe that she was a, a willing partner in this. She wasn't being forced. That's not what was, what was being said. So this doesn't seem to fit that scenario. It seems like there was something else that was going on. There was someone who was doing wrong and the one who was being wronged and whatever this was, it was such a big matter that Paul sent that harsh letter to the church of Corinth to get this thing right to get this thing right. But Paul said that he sent that letter um, once again just to check on their devotion to him and to his message. Paul knew that if he lost influence with the church, they would not listen to him. This is a principle in leadership. This is a principle in pastoral leadership. If the pastor or if the leader of an organization, a secular business, if that person loses credibility with those that are in their congregation or in their business, well, then the with the church, they're just not going to follow their pastor. Maybe they'll continue to show up, but they're not going to follow him because they, they don't see him as a person of integrity or they don't think that he cares or any number of other things. In a, in a business, um, then what happens is, is the employees don't do their jobs uh, because they uh, want to help the success of their the, the 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 you know the one who owns the business and so they're doing their part and they're helping out. Maybe it's just you know they just are doing it for finances or whatever else. It it goes to a lesser sort of motivation and so the highest motivation is. Um, one of the highest in leadership is as the leader is trusted, as the leader is able to demonstrate his care, and as those that are under his leadership uh, or her leadership is uh, sees that uh, they can trust and love that person that is that is over them, then they follow, they obey, they 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 do their part. That's what the apostle Paul is doing here. He wants the Corinthians' hearts. He knows that if he has their hearts, then when he speaks truth to them, they'll comply. But if he doesn't have their heart, then they won't comply. So that's why he keeps coming back to this point. Verse 13, for this reason, we have been comforted. Uh, in addition to our own comfort, we rejoiced even more over the joy Titus had because his spirit was refreshed by all of you. And so this is this is a really happy time here in this letter, as Paul is just saying that, my goodness, we were comforted. We were having troubles in Macedonia, but uh, we were comforted when we Tim when Titus came and told us about you all and your care for us, your love for us, your zeal for us. Um, and so this this is just a happy time. Paul is being comforted comforted in knowing that he still has influence with the church at Corinth. Verse 14, for if I have made any boast to him about you, I've not been disappointed. But as I've spoken everything to you in truth, so our boasting to Titus has also turned out to be the truth. And so what's Paul saying here? Simply he's saying, you know, I have bragged, Church of Corinth, I've bragged about you to Titus. I told him all sorts of wonderful things about y'all. And then he went to visit. And he was going to see if all of the bragging that I did on you was actually legit or if I was just blowing smoke. But Titus came back and said, Nope, Paul, what you said about them, 
It's true. It's true. Now, let me tell you what I believe could be going on. Not only is the Apostle Paul uh, commending and encouraging the church at Corinth, but sometimes leaders do this in order to um, help those who follow along even more. Uh, I, I read this many years ago, and it's just stuck with me. Leaders are the ones that paint the sky that their followers fly in. And uh, so a lot of times, a leader will not intentionally misrepresent the truth. He or she might exaggerate a little bit, but what they're doing is they're painting that sky. They're, they're raising that bar a little bit for those that follow them, knowing that the follower, their followers aren't quite there, but when their followers hear that they are being encouraged at that level, many followers are going to want to rise to that, right? They're going to want to rise to that. And so it could be in verse 14, as the Paul, as Apostle Paul is saying, I'm bragging on you, Church of Corinth, and Titus came back and said all of that. There may, you know, in a situation like this, you know, some of the church in Corinth may have, you know, some of the members may have looked at each other like, really? <laughs> Did Titus tell him everything? Because not everything was, was going well when he came. That may have happened, but I believe what Paul may be doing, he's certainly being truthful and honest, but I think maybe also, maybe he elevated the bar because if you look at the rest of the, the letter of 2 Corinthians, he's struggling with this church, and now he's saying, hey, all of the things that I bragged about you are true. I think when you put this all together, maybe he is elevating it a little bit to where the Corinthians aren't quite doing uh, what he has just commended them for, but he's wanting them to rise to that, right? Verse 15, and his affection, Titus's affection toward you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of all of you and how you received him with fear and trembling. And so Paul said, Titus even loves you now. He said, I love you. Titus even loves you after spending time with you. In verse 16, the last verse, I rejoice that I have complete confidence in you. Paul is confident in them. Once again, um, are there any reservations in Paul's heart? Well, you know, he's got some issues that he's, he's still going to be dealing with in the, you know, as this letter is coming to an end. But, uh, but Paul, I believe, is, is commending them. There is much that is going well. But I think also he's he's elevating the standard a little bit, knowing that they aren't quite there, but he's just elevating that standard, praying that they will rise to that. Uh, so he ends this chapter, and remember that he didn't write in chapters, so he's just going to continue to write as uh, we go into chapter 8. But he ended you know, here by saying, I rejoice that I have complete confidence in you. I trust you, Church of Corinth. I'm proud of you. I love you. Love me back. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you that as we read, as we're reading through 2 Corinthians, we are seeing the heart of, of a shepherd, the heart of someone who is essentially a, a pastor at heart uh, with the Apostle Paul. And Lord, we pray for more men like that, uh, for men who 
love the truth and men who aren't afraid to deal with harsh topics and even to confront sin because they love you, because they love truth, because they love people, and because they want to get people ready for the judgment. Um, Lord, I pray that you would rise up more and more and more men who are like the Apostle Paul that love you, that want to get people ready for the day of judgment. And Lord, we also pray for churches, for members um, that um, maybe are in sin or tolerating sin or just lowering the bar so that so that the church is just losing its spiritual power um, because the Holy Spirit is being quenched because of sin, willful, intentional sin. Lord, we pray for congregations, for members uh, to be responsive, like Paul was talking about the church of Corinth, how they were responsive and they were obedient and they made things right and they were pure because they had repented. Uh, Lord, we're praying for that. Uh, Lord, the, the, the world around us is getting dark. This is not a time for Christians, for churches, for pastors to be playing games. This is the time to be serious, serious about you. So Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I hope today's episode has helped you to understand and enjoy God's Word so that you can apply it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Enjoying the Bible podcast is a ministry of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. Check us out at fbcpolkcity.com. See you next time.